This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey guys, I am here with Evan from SNES Central. How you doing, man? I'm pretty good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for doing this. I know I just kind of emailed you out of the blue, but uh, I started to realize how much I was actually seeing your uh, your Twitter feed and uh, all the different things you were posting, and I figured it's time to just email you and, and get you on. So, <laughs> oh, it's great. I mean, I, I was. I was not aware of your uh, YouTube channel before you emailed me, and I, I've had a look, and I, I think it's wonderful what you're doing. Oh, thank and, you. Uh, and uh, I, I, I'm really enjoying watching the, the videos you've made. Thanks a lot, man. I, get, I do get a lot of updates from your Twitter feed, actually. Uh, I always, of course, link back to it. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah, I just, uh, I'm the super Nintendo is by far my favorite console. Um, if it wasn't for that console, I would have never done retro RGB. So, uh, you have so many, uh, rare and and strange things. And I mean, strange in a good way, of course, but, uh, that you post about. Um, so I guess, uh, could you just give a little bit of background about SNES central and when it started and how it all came about for those of us who aren't fully, um, for don't know the whole story. Okay, well, I I started uh, SNES Central or SNES Central. Um, I know some people get upset if you say SNES, but um, <clears throat> I started it in uh, January or two thousand one, I think. Yeah, that's so almost uh, so quite a few years ago. And the ori- original reason I started it was. Uh, I was playing around with HTML. I, I was doing, I was first year university student learning about programming. I thought, oh, uh, I'll, I'll make a website. And I was looking around uh, for information on Super Nintendo stuff. And I said, oh, well, there, there's not really any, uh, many Super Nintendo sites. So I'll, I'll make one of these. And uh, so I, I just started to code it up, and, you know, originally it was called the SNES site, which sounds kind of lame, I think, which is <laughs> why we, we changed the name. Um, so the first year I made it, it was basically this, you know, um, web 1.0 site with frames, and all I, I, I started to get involved in the Super Nintendo emulation community, and I... I started to, to find these games that are really obscure and and play them, and I p- would post little mini reviews on the site, and that's sort of what the SNES site was. Um, a year later, uh, I, I ran into some some problems, and uh, I actually gave the site to somebody else, and he he suggested a, a name change, but. He quickly lost interest, and I ended up taking it back a few months later. And um, 
I became uh, interested in this website called Nest World. And I don't know if you've ever gone to Nest World, but it's, it's also this amazing website with really obscure uh, NES uh, obscurities and, and like prototypes and pirates and stuff. And uh, I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. I, I should do, add these kind of things to SNES Central. And so basically the, the first few years of SNES Central was just sort of a, a grab bag of, of whatever I was interested that particular day. It had reviews and it had um, these obscure things and um, you know scans of, of carts and stuff. And around 2005, I, I started, the, the site was at that point being made with this uh, software called Dreamweaver. <laughs> oh, and, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> oh, God. And anyway, at that point, is this like, this site is becoming way too big to be using Dreamweaver. Like, it was really slow, and it was basically very disorganized. So at that point, I said, okay, I've got to sit down and reprogram this to be in a more structured format. And I completely redesigned the back end of the site um, to be what it is right now. And that took about a year because I was in my, my last year, my undergraduate degree, and I just didn't have any time. So I re relaunched it and uh, sort of basically... Uh, the, what you see now is, is pretty much exactly what it was then, just with more stuff. And around 2006, I believe, uh, is when I really started to get into prototypes. And uh, Lost Levels, which was run by Frank Silfaldi, sent me a, they, they sent me all these Super Nintendo prototypes because they, they didn't know who else to send them to. So... Um, that's sort of how I, I got into the prototype end of things. And you have a lot on here. I mean, there's some really cool ones, too. Oh, yeah. And uh, that, that batch was really neat because it had a, a few unreleased games. Uh, I think the best one out of that was this game called Urit. And uh, it's like this tag game. And it's not finished, but even in an unfinished state, it's super fun. I, I really suggest people try it out. Um, so later on, uh, around 2009, uh, I decided um, to, to move to Australia to do a PhD. And uh, I said, oh, well, all my games are going to go in storage. So I ended up scanning everything. And I started to build up quite a collection of, of PCB scans and cart label scans. Uh, and uh, that's since been supplemented by this, this huge collection of scans that uh, Bu, the, the author of Keegan, um, uh, sent me a number of years ago. So um, I, at first I, I thought, you know, I got all these PCB scans from this guy, German uh, set Super Nintendo scene guy uh, named John D. And I'm like, why, why do I... Why do we need PCB scans? And the, the time that really said, oh, uh, this is important, was I, I emailed uh, this guy, Matthias, who, made, who makes the, the Retroed 
And he said, oh, your, your site was such a, a valuable resource when I was making the retro because of these PCB scans. And I'm like, oh, I should continue to, to post these. And I think now this is probably one of the, the most popular aspects of my site because of the proliferation of these bootlegs. So people are, are checking to make sure they have legitimate copies of games by by referencing these PCB scans. Yeah, so you have, um, I mean, there is a ton here. Um, <clears throat> do you, um, and I guess most start with SHVC, uh, and then you have some, uh, you have some strange ones, like I think you have a Super Game Boy prototype as well? Yeah, so I think that one is owned by this guy, Matthew Callis, who is a huge Super Nintendo prototype collector. And uh, I think that was found somewhere in Seattle. Wow, really? <laughs> it's so funny, because I imagine it. every one of these has a neat story behind it, and, you know, something, to, uh, a cool way it was found. And um, Is there one that really stands out? Is there one uh, PCB scan that, you know... I don't know, it's story-worthy uh, at the top of your list, I guess? Hmm. Let, me, let me have a look here. Uh, I, I would say that the one that really interests me the most is... Um, uh, let me find the name of it here. Um, it's the yeah SHVC-1C0N, which is a PCB that's used in Star Fox. So this, this uh, PCB is very unique because it doesn't have the same layout as any other one. It just has these globby things on it. Yeah, so, four glob tops on it. Yeah, yeah. So I, I find this one very interesting because each revision of Star Fox has a different engraving in into the, the PCB itself. Mm -hmm. So I I found uh, there's there's I think uh, ten different versions of it. Um, there, there's one version I haven't found a scan of, which I believe is the Japanese revision 1.1. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it's just a, an interesting board because none of them are like that. And if you didn't know it was legit, it, you'd say, "Oh, this is some sort of, you know, Brazilian pirate or something." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's uh, it. It definitely doesn't look like something I'd expect to see when you open up a SNES cart. That's uh, that's very cool. Yeah, I, I think the reason they did this was that they had a bug in the original Super FX chip, and they had to scramble to to make like new boards to meet the the release date, which was sometime I think in in March in 1993. So I I think this is why it's like this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a. Uh, it's kind of neat. I'm always wondering because I was behind the scenes in the, one of the jobs I worked at. I got to do hardware production, and there was always a reason why something was the way it was. You know, many times when uh, when somebody gets the final product, they're like, "Oh, what? I wonder what that. Why did they do that? What was their? You know?" And there's there's usually uh, there's usually a decent story. I imagine if you open up something like the Sega 32X, they're all terrible stories because it's all <laughs> jumper wires and glue holding uh -huh. things together. But uh, it's kind of neat. Um, you have a. I mean, there's there's so much stuff on your site. I could go through here 
forever and not not even see any of it is there um you know is there one thing uh other than the the pcb scans of course that for people that want to just kind of dig in and, and check out what you have is there a section to definitely go into like the rarity section obviously caught my eye first um, well, I would say uh, you should check out the unreleased game section. Mm -hmm. So um, I've been slowly working out um, articles for every single unreleased game that has a, a ROM dump for it. Mm -hmm. um, some of these articles, I, I put quite a bit of effort into it. So I, I, I hope they're, they're an interesting read for people. Um, in particular, I think uh, Star Fox 2 is the article I'm most proud of. Yeah, and that's a good one, and that's been that's been referenced by everybody at this point. Anybody that's ever done any research into it or wrote, wrote their own article on it has referenced it to uh, to yours. Um, it's a uh, it's pretty cool, and that that's certainly a game with a good story behind it. You know? Oh yeah, like it, it's, it's like I said. Uh, <clears throat> This game has like so many different versions of it out, and uh, I, I think a lot of it was that uh, because it was unreleased, people are super curious about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so, like a few months ago, uh, uh, Luigi Blood and I were sort of we I I gave Luigi Blood the the source code for these alpha builds, and he was able to create um, a linker that didn't exist. We had a, um, an assembler for the code, but we didn't have a linker, and he was able to write a linker for it, and we were able to produce two new ROMs for it, which uh, this, this just shows how, how much stuff we can get out of the, this game that never came out until a few months ago. Yeah, and it's an interesting game, too, because the, the first time I ever played it, um, I, I just, I'd seen it a lot on emulators and I just, that's not, uh, with no disrespect to any of the people that love emulators, that's not how I enjoy games. Like I, I work hours a day on my PC, like to fire up an emulator app and grab a USB controller, I have no interest in. So when I, I finally was able to get a Star Fox 2 cart and play it on an original SNES, I thought it was neat, but I beat it the first time I played it, which is very unlike me because I'm not the greatest at video games. Uh, and then that's when I was talking to my cousin about it, and he brought up the whole point that it was, it's not like Star Fox 1 where you play through and beat it, it's the whole point of the game is the different paths you can take and the different missions you can go on, and so uh, it was really cool to, to take it from that perspective and just go back and play it a few times. Mm -hmm. um, I would yeah. definitely call this the definitive Star Fox 2 article here. <laughs> everything you could possibly need to know about it. Yeah, I, I still need to update it uh, since the um, Super Nintendo Mini came out. Uh, I, I, I love Star Fox 2. It's one of my favorite games, and uh, the, it was so exciting to play the final version, which uh, is actually a little bit harder than this so-called final beta that got leaked out in 2004. But uh, uh, nonetheless, it, it's so exciting. Like... Uh, the, the fact that you just have to constantly, you know, be moving around and mitigate uh, uh, different threats, I, I find this very enjoyable. Yeah, and having to, um, having to balance 
but going back and defending the planet versus you know going after and it's a neat very neat premise to this stuff actually mm-hmm. um so out of the uh the homebrew stuff that I've seen um you have a bunch listed on here uh where did those come from? Are those things that you worked on with people or are they just carts that you had uh had found over the years? Um, the, the homebrew section, I, I would say this is very incomplete. I mean, I, I didn't make any of these. Um, um, some of them I was trying to find the earliest example of a SNES homebrew. So one day I just went through these old scene release archives that I had and Mm -hmm. I found the earliest thing. And there's a couple of others, um, like uh, the the demo scene still sometimes pumps out these uh, really neat software demos for the Super Nintendo. Um, another yeah, I'm one, seeing a couple listed here that were from uh, 1992, which is um, which is strange because it's you know I I wouldn't think that that early in the SNES's life that um, people were hacking it to play these games or to play their homebrew on it. I suspect some of these people may have actually been had a dev kit for for the the system and were somehow involved in the uh, the, the the dark underworld of uh, software piracy. <laughs> and uh, like, if you read like some of the stuff, it's all very um, um, you know, it's kind of crude. What some of the things that they say in these demos, but uh, uh, I, I had no part of this scene, so I, I don't know all the details of that. But mm-hmm. I, I, I really suspect some of these early demos were created by people who actually had access to the, the dev hardware. Hmm. Very cool. Yeah, kind of appearing, appearing into a, a window into the past of something that most people didn't even really know about. Remember the uh, the IRC um, chat rooms and the the different BBSs for trading uh, illegal games and stuff. I remember doing all of that when I was a kid. You know, when you're when you're that young, you have no sense of consequence. So it's download away, <laughs> trade up on bulletin boards. Yeah, yeah I, I remember hearing that one of the people involved in these scene groups ended up being like a major politician in California. And uh, this was sort of their their in. They got into um, uh, some big company, or they founded it. I can't remember the details, but uh, some of these people ended up doing big things because they were so into software and hardware. And, um, That's kind of but, neat. I wonder if yeah. that ever caught up with them with some politician job, and then somebody finds out when they were 12 years old they were stealing video games online. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how many people care about that now, but uh... so um, now you said you lived in Australia. You're in Germany now. Uh, you have a Canadian email address posted on your website. Um, you're all over the place. Uh, what what took you around the world? You said obviously PhD was for Australia. Yeah, so I uh, I got my PhD in in Australia, and uh, after I finished, I. I, I work as a climate scientist, so I was in in Sweden for about a year and a half, and then I moved to Germany, and it's just sort of the, the 
postdoctoral experience, you sort of move around. And uh, on top of that, my fiance lives in Japan, so I'm constantly back and forth to Japan. So <laughs> it's it's uh, this year I've done so much traveling, and uh, December I, I'm not going anywhere. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a man of the world, I guess. Yeah, I uh, I had a job for about six years like that, and I absolutely loved it. I just loved. I loved waking up in a different country and, you know, a uh, couple of times I had to just find my way around where I didn't speak the language and obviously I always made it, I'm still here. So it's just, but uh, that stuff's always, always interesting. A climate scientist though, how, how pissed off do you get at the flat earth people? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, I mean, the, I think the flat earth people are pretty harmless. So, um, like they, they don't do anything too bad. Like, you know, uh, a lot actually, of people don't seem to realize that was a joke that was started, I think, in the nineties. That was not that was not a real thing for a while, and then people just caught on and thought it was serious. Oh man, a, a few a few months ago, I I got my first crank email. Uh, it was some some young Earth creationist who it was trying to explain the geological observations under the the. Under the guise of, of the Earth is only six or seven thousand years old, <laughs> it was so funny. This oh. website had so much detail. Like, <laughs> I, you know, uh, I, I really enjoy some of those pranks. There was one that I, I was laughing at so hard years ago. BonsaiKitty.com. They took it down. That was one where uh, PETA, the Animal Association. Uh, wrote an article about it because these people were were were, were mutilating kittens. It was a joke. <laughs> it was a, a complete joke. It was obviously a joke. I I didn't know anybody that didn't think it was a joke or that didn't think that it wasn't a joke. I, I don't know why I like those pranks. Um, and it, I'm 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 genuinely wondering how many of those people that uh, really even knew what it was. But yeah, that's uh. I don't know. I, that stuff, uh, the amount of detail people pour into that is fascinating to me. That could be like a psychological analysis all in itself, you know? Yeah, and, and I, I think this is one of the problems with the, the internet right now is that um, things that are false can easily spread around. And, you know, to, to go back to a video game example, um, one time I wrote an article on Super Mario FX. So Super Mario FX never existed. There, there was never a 3D Mario game in development for the Super Nintendo. Super Mario 64 was never going to be on the Super Nintendo. So anyway, um, if you go on to the Super Mario 64 Wikipedia page, they, they talk about this Super Mario FX, even though this never existed. And, and how this happened, uh, I, I went back and found out that this originated from a post on Cherry ROMs. I don't know if you know that site. It's an old Super Nintendo ROM site. So somebody on this site made this post insisting that there was a Super Mario FX, and they talked about it in this Swedish uh, video game magazine, and he so insisted it was real. And he posted on all these websites to the point where somebody added it on 
an IGN page because on IGN anybody could post anything on there and then that got linked to Wikipedia and this is sort of that's how it's still on there like it's it's amazing that this is still a thing Jeez, I wonder if uh, if anybody, if you're the prankster who did that, who happens to still be watching these things, uh, come forward because that's a funny prank. Um, it's, <laughs> I don't, it's, I don't think it was a prank. This guy legitimately thought this Super Mario FX was real, and it's not. It's <laughs> huh? Wow, that's a. Uh, I don't know. I hope it's a prank because it would be kind of funny and totally harmless. But uh, if not, then wow. I don't even know. I don't even know where to begin. But man, that's uh, geez, that's pretty funny. Have you seen any other stuff like that over the years? Of just, um, you know, one one big misconception of something Super Nintendo related that people just always assumed was truth because of something like that, or was that just the big one? Super Mario FX was uh, the biggest one. Oh, that that's certainly one of the biggest ones I've come across because. Uh... I mean, it comes up all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think... Um, let me think. Um, yeah, I, I can't think of any good examples other than that uh, offhand. Um, hmm. Hmm. You, have, uh, you certainly have other... Uh, in your, I guess it's your rarities section, I believe. Um, you certainly have some stuff that I've never seen in person before, and uh, one of them is the the Nintendo Gateway system for airlines. Where I guess you used to be able to play. Uh, was it just Super Nintendo games? Um, well, there was a Game Boy version and a Super Nintendo version, and I think eventually they made a GameCube version as well. I don't know. I don't know if a, an N sixty four version ever came out, but um, so on. Like, if you go onto any plane, there's like this square or rectangular controller in, in the seat, and uh, that was sort of created by Nintendo for this uh, system. So that's why these these plane controllers look like Super Nintendo controllers to a certain extent. Hmm. Uh, that's pretty funny mm-hmm. um and i've seen i've seen the super no the n64 LogiNet controllers i've never seen the uh the super nintendo ones but i think you have that on here too um mm-hmm. so many weird yeah. stuff like this did they have a super nintendo built into a tv just like they had the nest built into a tv i i think what it was was more of a server-based system, so they probably had the Super Nintendo hardware somewhere in the hotel, and uh, they had a link to, um, I, I think, some sort of like server off-site at that you it would download the game onto the hardware at the hotel, and then it would play from there. Um, the the actual box. Um, doesn't have any Super Nintendo hardware in it. Um, so huh, interesting. Uh, that must have taken forever with uh, that technology to be able to send that game over uh, over the line to each individual TV. I never played it. I just remember seeing it in a hotel, and it was expensive. So. I, I played it once when I was a kid. Um, I, I don't remember all the details, but 
I, I do remember it was uh, like six or seven dollars per hour, which is pretty crazy when you think about it. <laughs> It'd be cheaper to, to bring your own Super Nintendo and just play that. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I see the you have a couple of the other really obscure and strange ones, the uh, multi-purpose arcade combat simulator, which is basically, a, a, looks like a light gun, but made out of a real gun. <laughs> Yeah, that that's pretty crazy. I mean, they they had one of these for Commodore sixty four, and uh, they they got um, sculptured software, which is the most prolific North American Super Nintendo developer to to make this this uh, simulation for the army. And uh, apparently, the gun weighs like the same as a as a normal rifle. Um, I haven't had one held one myself, although there's uh, a collector in in Germany who's invited me over to, to take pictures at some point if I get time. <laughs> Jeez, that's pretty awesome. Is there a ROM release for this? Um, there, there was one that was leaked out back in the BBS era, but uh, nobody has ever gone back and redumped all of them. So I think there's three different carts, and only one of them has been dumped, as far as I know. Jeez, that's something is... I think would be a lot of fun to play on, because as long as you could have, like, um, I imagine, like, the Konami Justifier would probably work fine if it's a standard light gun. Uh, that would be really cool to suddenly have a bunch more light gun games for Super Nintendo. Yeah, that, that's a good question, whether or not it would be compatible. Um, I don't think we really know that at this point. Um, but, yeah, it, it would be pretty cool to, to try out, because this was used by people who were learning how to, to shoot to kill, so it'd be something neat to, to try out. Absolutely. Smoke Monster, if you're listening, this is a job for you, my friend. You should, uh, we'll, we'll all help and let's hunt these ROMs down so we could, uh, we could archive this very odd and awesome piece of history. <laughs> yeah, it, it, the big problem is these carts go for like three or $400 now, so that's a bit out of our price range. Yeah, that's why I, uh, you know, for all the times I've argued, you know, uh, the legalities of ROMs and everything, the one thing that is very important to me is to make sure all this stuff is archived. So the collector, yeah, I mean, it's, to, to, at least in my opinion, it is completely fine for a collector to want something that rare and cool and to spend a lot of money on it makes sense if that's something you're really into. But share the ROM. Bring it to somebody who knows how to properly dump it and share that piece of software so it could be copied across the internet and live on forever. That way, you know, you're not coveting the only one. You could still enjoy your awesome collector's piece, but let other people experience it as well. So That's certainly my philosophy, too. <laughs> yeah, and then you have the stuff that can't be recreated, like the Exertainment, the exercise bike with oh, a God. Super Nintendo built in, I believe. Yeah, so... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it was a gimmick. So it had these two thumb controllers, I think. And uh, the the games that were released for it actually came out in a normal Super Nintendo cart. So the Extertainment Mountain Bike Rally came out as... uh, um, The name of the game escapes me, but uh, it, it did come out as a regular game. 
And of course, there was also Speed Racer, so that, that also came out as a regular game. Um, of course, the, the mountain bike one probably makes more sense for a, you know, a bike, for an exercise pedaling. bike. Yeah, so for anybody listening on audio, it's a standard 90s-looking exercise bike. Uh, and I guess you would plug, it, it would work kind of like a Super Nintendo controller. Um, and as you pedaled, you could play the game with it, right? Yeah, I think it's sort of like a A, B, A, B, A, B sort of thing. So the pedals act as your A and your B. <laughs> that is ridiculous. I'd rather just exercise and then go play video games. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> Man, um, it, you know, out of uh, all the rarities, did, did we cover the the crazy ones, or is there one that really stands out that I should talk about? I, mean, um, I, I but, guess the Star Fox competition. Could you talk a little bit about that? Because I have uh, I've played the game, but I, I guess I don't really know the full story behind it. Well, the the Star Fox competition. Uh, so Nintendo used to have these competitions uh, every year. So they had the Nintendo World Championship and whatnot, and they they did this one sort of, I, I believe, as a promotion for Star Fox. So. This version of Star Fox, it, it has like the the first two levels plus a bonus level, which has which is not in the final game, I believe. And of course, it's time, so you can only play for five minutes, I think. And um, so I I I bought that myself. So everything on here is my own scan, hmm. and uh, it's it's I mean. I, I prefer Star Fox 2 over Star Fox, but uh, it's kind of neat to have sort of this competition where it actually keeps a, a score, which uh, regular Star Fox doesn't really do, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's same thing with the, the Donkey Kong Country competition cart. Like, that was, that was made for, um, I think, the, the Blockbuster some blockbuster competition so they had the cart set up in blockbuster videos and and there was the prize for winning was to get, go to GamePro mm-hmm. and spend a day there and um, two, the two winners got to there's a Genesis winner and a, a Super Nintendo winner and they got to have their reviews of Virtual Fighter Remix on in GamePro or something mm-hmm. <laughs> I vaguely remember those. Uh, I also vaguely remember Blockbuster. It's it's going to be, uh, it's not too many years or two more year, too many more years to go before Blockbuster is almost completely forgotten about. But yeah, that's a, geez, that's a very interesting piece of history. So, and I see uh, on the site you have um, uh, pictures of the like the the smocks, the aprons that the employees would have to wear during the competition and. Um, and of course, the the very funny looking title screen with Slippy when he says "Time's up" with his big frog eyes pointing out. It's uh, it's kind of funny. Yeah, I, I'm. I was very lucky when I I met or when I made this article. Um, I was a member of this forum uh, of this website called Digital Press, mm. and uh, back in the 2000s, that was the go-to forum for retro gaming and. So if you wanted to do research for uh, an old game, the, 
there would be people who had all this weird stuff. So this apron was actually um, uh, owned by somebody who worked at this competition. Oh, that's awesome. and uh, so he sent this to me, and uh, we still sometimes talk on IRC too. So, hmm. yeah, I actually interviewed a while back Joe, the uh, owner of Digital Press Games, and one of the original founders of that forum. And it's uh, it's very cool to see so many of the things that I've been a part of since I was a kid. You know, just uh, how how we've all we're all adults now, and you know, some of us are still part of the game. It's kind of kind of neat to see how we've all progressed. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, I've been working on SNES Central for 17 years, and uh, I, I don't see that ending anytime soon. Yeah, well, uh, by all means, please keep it up. It's been an invaluable place to find a lot of information. And uh, for people that want to be kept in the loop, um, definitely follow you on Twitter, because uh, you post a lot of the new stuff that you, uh, you add to the site right on there. So anybody that wants to be kept in the loop immediately, that's definitely the best way to, to do it. Is there any other, um, any other place to follow you on? Um, yeah, I would say uh, uh, Twitter is probably the best way to get a hold of me. Okay, or IRC when you're on it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, I have uh, SNES on Freenode. So you, you, anybody's welcome to go there. That's I, funny. I don't know. I don't know how much uh, discussion of Super Nintendo goes on there, but uh, yeah, I'm definitely there a lot. So awesome. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to do this. Um, I always really enjoy pulling back the curtain and seeing the wizard. And uh, you know, it's a, a really a, a fan of your site for years now, and I'm glad that uh, I get to put a face to the name and to the, the website itself. It was my my pleasure being on your podcast. I I think it's really great. Thanks very much. Well, everybody, uh, follow you on Twitter, and uh, I guess I'll see everybody next time.